And we are off another episode of In Defense of the Big 12. He's Brad Kellner. I'm Tyler McComas. And wow, what a tease. We thought this weekend was going to be epic. We thought this weekend was going to be awesome. Come on, Farmageddon and Bedlam in the same day. Two close football games to go all the way down to the wire when in reality, they were both over in the first nine minutes. Uh, wow, where do we start? I guess we'll start with the football game that I was at on Saturday night. You and I both picked OU to win this game by double digits, but when it was learned that uh, Austin Stogner was going to be out and OU was going to have a few players out due to COVID, I kind of thought, was I a little bit too aggressive on this pick? I wasn't aggressive enough. OU comes out 21 nothing, just like that, and OSU was done, man. Once again in Bedlam, it's the same old story. Come on, man. If Spencer Sanders plays all four quarters, Oklahoma State wins that game. No doubt uh, in my mind. Uh, no, you're right. Same old story. And I will never bet against Oklahoma never, in that football game. And you're right. I mean, we were both too cautious with our pick of OU. I think both of us were pretty confident in Oklahoma winning that game. You mentioned we both picked them to win by double digits. But uh, both of us gave Oklahoma State a little bit too much love. Now, Look, if Spencer Sanders does play all four quarters, is that a different football game? Yes. Is it 41 to 13? Probably not. But Oklahoma still wins, and they still win by double digits. They still win going away. And it's the same old story. I mean, Mike Gundy now 2 and 14 all time against Oklahoma, which they showed, I think, on College Football Live yesterday. That's tied for the worst winning percentage against a single opponent in college football history with a minimum of 15 games against one opponent. Like Jackie Sherrill against LSU from his time at A&M in Mississippi State is on there. And then one other coach, I can't remember who it was, a guy from way back in the day is on that list. But Mike Gundy, a 125 winning percentage now against Oklahoma, 2-14 and all-time against their biggest rival, And look, I know he's done some phenomenal things at Oklahoma State, and he's brought that program to heights they hadn't seen since World War II. You can make your jokes about that if you want. But, man, at some point, do the questions arise in Stillwater? Like, you got to have more success against your rival to, to really keep your fan base happy, I would think. And I know it's Oklahoma State we're talking about, but, man, like Mike Gundy once again just crapped the bed against Oklahoma. And I know this decision didn't cost them the game, but early fourth quarter, down by three scores, you've got the ball in plus territory, and you're punting it back to Oklahoma. Like, what are you doing? I mean, you're you're waving the white flag with that decision. So I know that's far from the biggest mishap that Mike Gundy had on Saturday, but doing stuff like that is just pathetic to me, and it it really would make me question some things if I'm an Oklahoma State fan. Yeah, a couple things here. First off, like, seriously, name me another job in America – where you go two and fourteen against your biggest rival and still have a job? I don't know. I really I mean, don't. Know. Like, I, mean? I also don't know a job where you go two and fourteen against your biggest rival and you're also winning ten games a lot. Right. Like it's so weird that that happens. So I guess that's kind of the predicament Oklahoma State is in. Like, you know, do you want to get rid of Mike Gundy, who has led your program to kind of national relevancy? I know. I know they, they're not winning conference championships. I know they're not winning national championships. But, like, people know about Oklahoma State football because of Mike Gundy, and they do have successful seasons, and they hold their own in this league and also when they play non-conference games more often than not because of that guy. So I guess the question is, do you want to get rid of that dude and risk not only being bad against Oklahoma but also being bad against everybody else too? 
Now, one thing was very apparent to me, and we both picked Oklahoma to win the game because why? Well, we thought that they're the better football team going in. But the one thing that we really undervalued is the coaching mismatch that continues to happen in this game. Like Lincoln Riley came out in the first half and totally, 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 totally out-schemed OSU. Both teams were off for two weeks, and it looked like Lincoln Riley took full advantage of that to scheme OSU, see where maybe their flaws were defensively, and exploit that. And he did that. And on the other hand, you have Mike Gundy playing scared once again in Bedlam. He, he's been coaching in this game now for 16 years. He has maybe had the more talented team probably twice, 2011 and 2013. Yet he continues to coach like he has the more talented team with how conservative that he is. And you're right, that fourth and eight, the fact that he punted it away, did it have any impact in the game? No, of course not. But you got to show to your team that you're going to be aggressive, man. Yeah. I mean, on their faces – and, and by the way, they had picked up a few first downs on that drive going up tempo. And the look on their faces when their coach wants to punt on fourth and eight, when they're in OU territory, it's like, seriously? And Mike Gundy was asked about that earlier this morning, and he said he elected to punt because of young offensive line struggles, OU's pass rush, OU's coverage, and it was a game flow decision. Game flow decision? What? It's a numbers game. I it's mean – Order and you're down 21. You only get limited opportunities remaining. You may not even get three more possessions after that. And I love that they pun it, they pin them deep, yes, but Oklahoma goes right down the field and scores. Yeah. I guess I appreciate Gundy's honesty, right? Three-fourths of that answer he gave actually made sense. Now, it shows a clear lack of faith in your football team, which I can't imagine the players like a whole hell of a lot. But I mean, he saw the things we all saw. Oklahoma State's offensive line was getting whipped on Saturday, and that's been the biggest question for that offense all year long. And I say that knowing how average their quarterback play has been this year. But last year with average QB play, well, they were able to run the football extremely well. Chuba Hubbard had 2,000 yards because they had a really good offensive line. This year that offensive line is absolutely terrible. They've been getting picked apart by just about everybody Oklahoma's defense is rounding into form. Ronnie Perkins has been huge, right? You want to talk about a shot in the arm. I mean, that guy was everywhere on Saturday, and he's been everywhere since coming back for Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, Mike Gundy saw what we all saw, and, I, I mean, the odds of Oklahoma State picking up that fourth down are not good, but still, I mean, game flow, like that part of the answer makes absolutely no sense, dude. You are waving the white flag, and you, he basically admitted it by saying – Oh, my team kind of sucks, and their team was a whole hell of a lot better. So, well, he, he even had another stupid decision. It was they were down twenty-one nothing in the second quarter, maybe, and they were probably at the OU twenty-five, and it was the third and seven. And he hands the ball off to Chuba Hubbard, and it gets stopped for no gain. And then he kicks a field goal, and it goes to twenty-one-three. And I'm sitting there again, like it's third and seven. You got Tylen Wallace on the field. You're starting to target him. He's starting to do some nice things, and Hand off to Chuba Hubbard? Really? Yeah. It's just, Oklahoma State fans, their biggest complaint is how Mike Gundy just coaches scared in this game. And I'm really starting to believe that he is just that in this game. He's scared. And how do you expect Oklahoma State to win when the guy leading their football program probably doesn't believe that he can ever beat these guys? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, do you think Oklahoma State players – I'm sure the fans get confident and optimistic, especially in a year like this where they feel like they've got a really good defense and maybe the talent gap isn't that wide between the two teams. So maybe the fans are optimistic. But, I mean, at this point, do you think the players even feel great coming into this game? 
Like, do they almost know their fate going into Bedlam before the game is even played? I mean, that that sounds like a loser's mentality, but crap, it feels like Oklahoma State is always the loser going into this game. Yeah, it, it is. It's I, I, I've always said that I think that there is such a huge mental aspect to this rivalry. I, I believe it. I mean, when you get beat by somebody as many times as you've had, and even when they've been close games, OSU finds a way to lose this game. I know it wasn't close on Saturday, but OSU finds ways to lose, and it's it's a mental thing right now. I, I think it was probably mental. As soon as OU went up 7 nothing and got the stop and the crowd was really into it, I think it was kind of one of those here-we-go-again feeling. Which, by the way, look, I, by that face, I think you're about to tell me it looked like there was more than 22,000 people there on yeah, Saturday. Uh, yeah, hold on here. Do you guys know that it's a max 25% capacity? Like That means only Dude. 25% can be there. Not 25 of the stadium is open. Right now, 25 is full, not 25% is open. That place, I don't want to say it was like packed, packed, but dude, come on. You cannot I, sit yeah, here and tell me. I you agree. were there, so you, I guess you can oh, sit I, there and tell me. I totally agree. Oh, my I, and, and I'm sitting there, I, and I'm sitting there like looking around. It's like it's supposed to be 25% capacity here, and it looks like it's half full, is what it looks like. Damn, it, uh, looked, it looked fuller than that on television, I can yeah. tell you. And look, I get, I, I guess I get it. Rivalry game, big game. You want to sell tickets. You want to recoup some of that money you're losing because of the pandemic. But then the other part of me is like, come on, OU. Do you think you need this crowd to beat Oklahoma State? Like, is this the game you want to waste this on? I mean, I guess that's their biggest home game, right? Because Texas is yeah. played in Dallas every year. So I guess when you had Bedlam at your place and Oklahoma State was tied for first in the league this year. So I guess if you are going to go all out for one game in 2020, that's the game to go all out for. But, man, you don't need a big crowd to beat those guys. You could play at their place, and they could have a full crowd, and you've proven time and time again that you could win that football game. So, I don't know. Hopefully no spikes in uh, in Norman. Like, I, I hate being mad about that because it's it's pageantry, it's atmosphere, it's what we love about college football and what we love about rivalry games. But, Obviously, on the other hand, you got this pandemic to worry about. It, it is a Texas A&M thing to do, and I and I agree with <laughs> yeah. you there. I mean, it really is, right? Like everybody else, kind of abiding by things and whatever. Like the A&M thing is to go, let's go, ha- let's go half capacity. Florida's coming to town. Let's go ahead and up that capacity to fifty percent. It's something. Not only something yeah. that they would do, I think something that they did actually against Florida. Yeah, I think they got punished for it too. But yeah, I'm not I'm not losing any sleep over it. And I can't imagine Oklahoma State fans are that mad about it, right? Yeah. Like they're they're not looking at that as a, a reason or the reason why they lost that football game Saturday night. Hey, I want to tell you guys that in defense of the Big 12 is sponsored by American Betting Experts. They are one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors. In the United States, and we have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners, here's what you do. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and you can pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page and get in on the action with a special offer from American Betting Experts. All right, let's fill up that comment section. Spartan Barton's already done it. He says, is Iowa State going to win the Big 12? I don't know, but they look pretty good on Saturday. Oh, my God, they they look good on Saturday. Yeah, what do we think that is, right? Do we give more credit to Iowa State maybe rounding into form and being the team a lot of people thought they were going to be going into the season? Or is that just K-State? 
I don't want to say giving up, but sort of giving up on the season. I mean, they, you know, the Will Howard experiment is is falling apart. He's a true freshman. It's a tough spot. The offensive line in front of him is not good. The running game isn't doing what it did at the beginning of the year. I mean, what do we think this is? Is this more Iowa State being pretty good, or is this just K-State being really, really bad at this point? I think it's K-State being pretty poor at this point, but it is scary because there is an element to – this is what Iowa State maybe can be if Brock Purdy plays well and takes care of the football, you know? I mean, seriously. And, and maybe yeah. Iowa State isn't the only team that could beat Kansas State 45 to nothing right now. Maybe Oklahoma could do it. Maybe Texas will do it coming up here in a couple weeks. But when Brock Purdy is that efficient, that, that team's scary, man. And if Brock Purdy is that efficient, then, yeah, Iowa State can definitely win the Big 12. They're at least going to play for it if that's the case moving forward. Yeah. How bad is K-State right now? I mean, looking ahead to next week, they play in Waco, and Baylor is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I know, it's crazy, man. One win Baylor is a five-and-a-half-point favorite against a K-State team that beat Oklahoma this year and a K-State team that two weeks ago controlled its own destiny to get to the Big 12 championship. They have fallen on some really, really hard times in Manhattan. But I think you're dead on. I mean, if Brock Purdy plays like he did on Saturday – then Iowa State's got a shot to win this Big 12 this year because he's been the biggest issue for Iowa State, right? I mean, they've got yeah. probably the offensive conference player of the year in Brees Hall, who had an, uh, an amazing game again on Saturday, a buck 35 and two touchdowns on only 15 carries. He was ridiculous. That defense is solid. I mean, John Heacock, year in and year out, has turned that defense into a solid yeah. unit. And Brock Purdy's been the problem. He's just been a turnover machine. He's been inaccurate with the football. His decision-making has been questionable more often than not this year. And finally, on Saturday, he plays a really, really good football game against, you know, a good K-State defense. Like, statistically, one of the best defenses in the conference going into Saturday was Kansas State. And Brock Purdy torched them. So, yeah, if he plays like he did on Saturday, I mean, if he plays that way in Austin on Friday and he plays that way the, West, the, plays that way the rest of the way – and Iowa State does have a damn good shot, not only to get to Arlington, but also in Oklahoma's run atop this conference. Harrison's got a comment as well. He thought uh, the coaching staff for Iowa State did a good job of rolling Purdy out of the pocket to get him some more time, use use the legs and good zone replays. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I agree with all of that, man. I mean, 16 to 20, that, that's by far and away his most efficient game of the year. I mean, 16 to 20, 236, three touchdowns and no picks. I mean, Whatever the game plan was heading into that game, they've got to recreate that moving forward. Yeah, and they had a bye week, of course, going into that one. So they used that bye week well, right? I mean, to get some things figured out. That offense was firing on all cylinders. And I agree with Harrison. I mean, they they made life easy for Brock Purdy. They got him on the move. They let him throw on the run. And he was able to make some plays down the field. Iowa State, you know, I don't think Xavier Hutchinson is, is Hakeem Butler or Alan Lazard or any of those like guaranteed Sunday players, like a guy that you know is going to make an impact at the next level. But Hutchinson is turning into that number one wide receiver that Iowa State hasn't really had this year. I mean, we talk about the tight ends all the time, and all three of them can make plays. And hell, all three of them are captains, and all three of them might be playing in the NFL. But in terms of like that one go-to wide receiver, I think Hutchinson is kind of becoming that guy. And I think that's one thing that's really impacted Brock Purdy this year, right? Not having that go-to guy on the outside. So maybe Hutchinson can be that dude. But yeah, they looked uh, they looked damn good, man. And I think they're ranked 15 now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, OU's 14, Iowa State's 15, Texas is 20. 
Oklahoma State 21, right? We get the, yeah. we get the playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday. Playoff rankings cool, coming out so. on Tuesday. But, uh, yeah, no, Iowa State looked uh, looked really, really good, man. And as a Texas fan, right, looking ahead to this Friday, uh, I, I still feel like Texas is going to win that game. I don't know if I should anymore. I mean, if Texas played on Saturday, they would have probably looked just as dominant, albeit against a way weaker opponent in Kansas. But I, I think Texas is a good matchup for Iowa State. But, man, I, I feel a lot worse about that football game after what I saw on Saturday than I did going into the weekend. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Hey, by the way, guys, we come to you on Monday and Thursdays right here on Twitch, 10 a.m. Guess what Thursday is? That's right. It's Thanksgiving. The Dallas Cowboys get to uh, let us down on Thursday, even though we just went up to Minnesota yesterday and won. Not a big Dude, deal. I, I don't know what to feel about that game, right? I mean, like I, I, I've been saying on the radio that I want the Cowboys to lose out finish two and 14 and get a top three pick in the NFL draft. But then you've got the NFC East being as bad as it is and everybody else keeps losing. And all of a sudden the Cowboys are tied in terms of wins with every other team in that division with three. So look, I mean, a first round playoff loss is not good for anybody. That's not where you want to be. But like, I, I was having a tough time watching the Cowboys yesterday, like rooting for them to lose even though I know it's the best thing for that team, I still can't bring myself to actually cheer for the opposition. What, what was harder yesterday, cheering for the Cowboys to win or cheering for C.D. Lamb every single game? Oh, man, I, I've gotten over that. You kidding me? <laughs> I was so happy. I was like a, a kid in a candy store when the Cowboys made that pick on draft day, dude. I, I had forgiven everything. Like I was so happy that I could finally root for that guy. I've been watching him torch my favorite team time in and time out. It's nice that he can actually make plays for my favorite team. So that catch he made was uh, was pretty spectacular. I mean, everybody in the Big 12 knew how good that dude was going to yeah. be when he got to the league, and he's showing the uh, the rest of the NFL world right now. That was pretty special. Is that a Texas Stadium sweater, long sleeve shirt that you got there? It that is, man. Sweet. The farewell to Texas Stadium. Damn, I need one of those. That's awesome, man. Back when, uh, back when, when times were good. Although – you know, the last few years at that place weren't great either. Yeah, so. not very good. Not yeah. very good at all. No, no. Uh, which, what, what I was saying, though, is we're not doing a show on Thanksgiving. Uh, just, sorry, we're just not doing a show on Thanksgiving. You guys won't be watching anyway. If you guys are watching us on Thanksgiving, then I feel bad for you guys, all right? So <laughs> this is going to be our final show of the week. We got about 20 minutes or so remaining. So I guess we can speed up and, and look ahead. And as big as last Saturday was for Iowa State, this Saturday is even bigger, going down the road to play Texas and Austin. I believe the spread right now is UT minus one and a half. And uh, I, this is going to be one of the most fascinating games I think we see all year in this conference. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about this game right now, to be honest with you. I agree. So Texas opened up as a two-point favorite, and the early money's coming in on Iowa State, and the line is now Texas minus one and a half. I'm curious to see where this thing ends up. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is a pick em by the time these teams kick off Friday morning at 11 a.m. Look, uh, you've got the rest element for Texas, right? The rest versus rust conversation here. The Longhorns have had two bye weeks in a row. They haven't played since that 17-13 win over West Virginia. Of course, the scheduled by last weekend, and then the Kansas game postponed this weekend. So the Longhorns should be as well-rested and should be as healthy as they've been in a long, long time. But then you have the rust conversation for Texas, right? Meanwhile, Iowa State, short week for them. They played on Saturday. Now they've got to travel and play this Friday morning. So what does that mean for the Cyclones? It's going to be a fascinating football game, man. I mean, I, I'm leaning Texas right now, 
which this fan base in Austin is ridiculous right now, let me tell you, because Texas fans don't even know what they want to do at this point, right? I mean, there is a large contingency of this fan base that just wants to lose and wants the Tom Herman experiment to be over and wants Urban Meyer to be brought in here as soon as possible. So there are some fans who are like that. But then Why again, can't you have it both ways? Why I can't Texas, you know what I mean? I want, I want my cake and eat it too, right? So people keep asking me like, oh, what, what do you want? Do you want Texas to win the Big 12 or do you want Urban Meyer here? Uh, can we have both? Why not both? Why yeah. not both? I mean, I know that's not going to happen, right? If Tom Herman wins the Big 12 conference, he's going to be back. There's, a, there's some people who believe, not everyone, but a lot of people who believe that if Tom Herman just gets to Arlington, then he's going to be brought back regardless of what's out there on the open market right now. But look, this is the toughest game Texas has left, right? I mean, they, they've won three games in a row. They've passed every test to this point after that two-game losing streak. But Iowa State's coming in here playing really, really good football. So the reason why I think this is a good matchup for Texas is because the biggest weakness for Texas has been its cornerbacks. And I talked about Xavier Hutchinson being a good player, and he's kind of coming into his own, rounding into form. But I, I don't think he's that great. And what Texas has done a phenomenal job of this year, number one, is stopping the run, right? They've been ridiculous against yep. opposing running backs, especially on this three-game winning streak. I mean, no one's averaged more than three yards a carry against this Texas defense in its last three games. They shut down Chuba Hubbard. They shut down Letty Brown. I know Brees Hall's a step up over both of those dudes the way he's playing this year, but the Texas rush defense has to be beaming with confidence. And also, Texas has really good safety play. So Iowa State's best weapons in their in their passing game are their tight ends. I still think those guys are going to play well. Those guys are going to get their own. But that kind of feeds into what Texas does well on defense. So I think just on paper, the matchup of the Iowa State offense against the Texas defense actually is not horrible for this Texas Longhorn defense just based off the things Iowa State does well and the things that Texas does well. So we'll see what happens, man. It's, it's going to be a close game. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's Texas, dude. Of course it's going right. to be. Yeah, like I, I don't trust them to blow out anybody, and I don't trust Iowa State. I, there is no way in hell I trust Iowa State to go down to Austin and play as well as they did at home last week against Kansas State. It's just not going to happen. Brock Purdy's going to turn the ball over a couple times. Texas is going to have its opportunities. And it's going to come down to the final three minutes of the game. I mean, I just I, I just really feel confident that that's the way it's going to play out. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about this, right, the 2018 game. I mean, this, this, this is sort of a de facto Big 12 semifinal. I know both teams have games to be played after this week, so it's not quite the same situation. But 2018, winner has a great shot to get to Arlington. And Iowa State comes to town playing really well. They're ranked. They look great. Hey, this might be the best Iowa State team ever. They come down to Austin, and what do they do? They lay an egg. I mean, 24 to 10 was the final score. That game was 24 to 3 until the last two minutes. I mean, it wasn't even close. Iowa State last year. I mean, Matt Campbell, we've talked about it a ton on this podcast. He's the best coach in Iowa State history. He's done phenomenal things with that Cyclones program. But every time they've gotten to this spot, Tyler, they've come up short. Yep. So that's the question, right? Can they take that step? Is this team legit? Is Matt Campbell finally the guy who can lead Iowa State to a conference championship game? Or is it going to be same old song and dance where they get to this spot, but they come up a little bit short against one of the big dogs in this league? I wonder if that's playing into the psyche at all for Iowa State, right? Whether it's the fan base, whether it's the coaches, whether it's the players that they've always I don't want to say always gotten here because, you know, before Matt Campbell, they were usually two and eight at this point. But the last few years they've gotten here, but they haven't been able to take that next step. I wonder if that uh, plays into this thing at all. 
How you feel about uh, – because I believe A&M in Texas seems like they were always on Thanksgiving night or Black Friday. How do you, how do you feel about the 11 a.m. Black Friday kickoff? Uh, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't love it. I don't yeah. love it. Only because – I mean, it's a work thing for me, right? Like I just – like I'm going to go home Wednesday night after the show for Thanksgiving and then early Friday morning I got to drive back to Austin. So it's selfish reasons that I don't like it. I mean, I also don't like the fact that Texas is not playing Texas A&M. I mean, that that sucks. And they used to play that game on Thanksgiving night every year. That was awesome. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I've gotten used to it. I'm, I'm glad that it's a good game, a relevant game. I mean, last year it was Texas playing Kansas in mm-hmm. Lawrence on Black Friday. So this is a, a major upgrade over that. Uh, but no, I, you know, it's still, it's still weird. It'll always be weird to me that the horns and Aggies aren't, aren't playing each other on Turkey day. Uh, Rich has a comment. What coaches could you guys see being fit for Texas? It kind of, do you guys have a second name? I mean, is urban Myers it like what happens if urban Meyer says no, does Texas have any idea what they do after that? Uh, Tom Herman's probably the guy. And my guess is, my guess is, I know that conversations are being had behind the scenes, right? The, the people at Texas are talking with Urban Meyer's people, and they're going to get an answer from Urban Meyer before they make any decision on Tom Herman, right? So if Tom Herman loses another game, then Texas is going to make sure they have a guarantee before they make a move. Now, if Tom Herman loses the next two or three games, then they'll make a move probably, and somebody else will be brought in. I'm not sure where you go down that list, right? I'm not sure who's who's you know is, is Hugh Freeze a big enough name for Texas? Um, I mean, PJ Fleck hasn't done well at Minnesota this year, so I don't know if he gets the call. James Franklin point. cannot be an option. I don't think James Franklin. I mean, Texas had their chance to get James Franklin when Charlie Strong was hired, and you know they missed that boat. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, it sort of feels like this thing is all or nothing for Urban Meyer right now if Tom Herman is let go. And I don't think Texas will make a move in terms of Tom Herman unless they have a pretty damn close to a guarantee that Urban Meyer is going to take this job if he's offered. Texas does control its own destiny, correct? Since they play yeah. left, yeah, yeah. You know, I think there's a there's a very weird scenario that could come into play if Texas, Oklahoma, and Iowa State all finish conference play seven and two. So if there's a three way tie at the top. The, the the tiebreaker, I was looking at this a couple of days ago. So the first tiebreaker is head-to-head, and then you go round robin, which would be a problem because Oklahoma, Texas, and Iowa State would all be one-and-one against right. each other. The next tiebreaker is you start going down the rest of the standings in the Big 12, and then right. you compare records against those teams. So right now, Oklahoma State is the team they, – they would be the team behind that, right? They would be the team – let me make sure I have this right. I don't know. I, I've got one for you while you're looking at it. Okay, yeah. You, I'm gonna just confuse, I kind of just confused myself with what I'm talking about this, here. The scenario that I'm talking about, Texas to beat Iowa State this weekend, which is not crazy at all. I think I'm probably going to pick that to happen. But then the Longhorns lose to Kansas State. So that would force a three-way tie between Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. So the tie break. Among the three right there, they're all the same. OU beat Oklahoma State, but they lost to Iowa State. Iowa State beat OU, but they lost to OSU. OSU beat Iowa State, but they lost to OU. So what you're talking about, the tiebreaker 
would fall to the fourth place team in the conference, and that's Kansas State. That's saying Kansas State wins out, of course. They're a dog this weekend at Baylor. But if Kansas State wins its last two games, OU would be left out in that scenario. Yeah. So it's just fascinating how this thing breaks down. I it, I I think that OU needs Kansas State to lose this weekend. I think they might need Texas to win this weekend too. Yeah, I think that does help Oklahoma if Texas beats Iowa State this weekend. I was reading that this morning. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what the tie-breaking procedure is for the Big 12, right? I mean, you just kind of laid it out right there, but – I mean, is there is there a chance that we have a four way tie? Uh, is there a chance? Yeah, I think that's possible, I think right? Every team, so Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas, and Oklahoma State could all end up five and two in this conference, and then yeah, I guess you would go down the list. So right now, West Virginia and Kansas State are both four and three in league play. So I guess you would just whoever finishes fifth in that scenario. Uh, you compare records against that team, and I guess you go down the line until you find two teams that uh, can play in Arlington. Call so me crazy, but I'm not just so convinced that OSU is going to win their final three games. I think that the throw in the towel factor could be there. I think that they got quarterback questions moving forward. I'll tell you one guy that I was not impressed with at all on Saturday was Chuba Hubbard. Maybe he's banged up a little bit, but yeah. I was just like, mm, boy, uh, he – he uh, there there was one play in particular. He ran to the right. There were a couple OU defenders about to converge on him, and he just kind of sat down and didn't want any of that action. So I don't know. I just for what Chuba Hubbard's been built up to be, I wasn't all that impressed with him on Saturday. No, yeah, and I think he's battling an injury, like you said. I mean, he was fighting with the hamstring all day long, right? He kind of checked himself out of the football game for a little bit, then came back in, tried to give it a go, but he didn't look like the same player and. He hasn't looked like the same player all year. So I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line, right? We talked about it earlier. Yeah. The Joe, Oklahoma State's offensive line is terrible this year. And I don't care who you are, man. I don't care if you're Adrian Peterson. If you're running behind a, a horrible offensive line, then you're not going to have a lot of success. But yeah, I mean, I also think Chuba Hubbard might be battling an injury uh, that's preventing him from having that explosiveness and that ability to break off those home run type of runs because we just haven't really seen that at all from him this year. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma could be out of the race if they trip up at West Virginia. Any chance at all that uh, this is a trap game for the Sooners? Ten and a half point favorites on the road in Morgantown. Well, you tell me. I mean, the, the one thing that bodes well for West Virginia in this football game is that they haven't lost at home, right? All three of their losses this year have come on the road. And also the Mountaineers are coming off a of bye week. So you've got the potential trap game slip up scenario after playing your rival this past weekend. I mean, do you have any fear of Oklahoma, maybe uh, losing one or at least I think this could be tight. a tricky game, but I just feel like the way that they're playing right now is, I mean, defensively, it, that's kind of a catalyst of this football team right now. Defensive line, they're so good up front. West Virginia is so inconsistent. I don't think that they're very good offensively. I mean, I don't think OU is just going to roll out there and win by 31 points or anything like that, but I feel the way that this team's playing right now and the momentum that, that, that they have, I, I feel pretty good about where they're at. I think they'll win. Yeah. I think they won by. I'll probably pick them to win by 14 points, two touchdowns. I mean, they've played four complete games in a row, right? And, yeah. and during the three games, it's, it's what is it? A five-game win streak now? Uh, yeah, is that right? Five yeah, that's right. Win, yeah, five game win yeah. streak. So the first one of those wins was against Texas, right? And that was not pretty. Took four overtimes. It was really the 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 least bad of the two bad teams won that day. 
but since then, Oklahoma's played extremely well, right? Four complete games in a row. And, and the first three of those were against really bad opponents. So we were like, all right, has Oklahoma really turned a corner or are they just kind of going up against the bottom feeders of this conference? I know Oklahoma State's been kind of trending in the wrong direction, but to, to, to do what they did on Saturday, them being Oklahoma, uh, I think it tells you that uh, this team is rounded into form, and right now they're probably the best team in this conference. So, yeah, it could be a little bit tricky, uh, but I feel confident that Oklahoma is going to win this football game. I'm kind of in the same range score-wise as you are, too. Are, are, do you want to entertain Tech going up to Stillwater and playing a four-quarter game and maybe winning that? Uh, Tech, Tech beat at what she last year for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, who's who's got the better quarterback situation between those two teams? I think Tech does. I, I mean, I well, – who, Who's Tech's quarterback? Who's it going to be? Uh, Bowman. I mean, maybe either one of them. I don't think Spencer Sanders is very good, man. I really no, don't. No, I mean, I don't either. I don't either. I think uh, he's better than Illingworth right now. And I got to give uh, some flack to our man Spartan Barton, who's been uh, calling for Illingworth the last yeah. couple of weeks. Now, he was right. He did say Illingworth was going to play in Bedlam on Saturday. So I will uh, I will tip the cap and give him some credit for that. But uh, Illingworth was nowhere close to ready for the moment on Saturday. I mean, that dude looked like a high schooler going up against that Oklahoma defense. So I don't think, like uh, five or 22. yeah, I mean, he was God awful and he was not making like his decision-making wasn't terrible. He was just way off on his throats. I mean, he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, man, he was that bad on Saturday. So as average as Spencer Sanders has been this year, I think it's clear and obvious right now that he is the best option at quarterback for Oklahoma state. And then for Texas tech, I mean, they, you know, Columbia has been starting as of late but the last time Texas Tech played that game-winning field goal win over Baylor, it was Alan Bowman who came in in relief and saved the day and played well in the second half, at least decently well in the second half to give the Red Raiders the win. So I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. I think Oklahoma State's going to bounce back and win this football game. But, God, I mean, the way the Pokes offense has looked as of late, I mean, I I don't feel great about them. And you might be right. I mean, they, they play, what, Tech, TCU, and Baylor it's their last three games. Like they're going to be favored in all three of those games. They should win all three of those games. But man, if they slip up and lay an egg against one of those teams, I, I don't know how surprised that would be. Yeah. Um, I, the line, I, you know what? No, I'm, I'm bucking the line. I think Kansas State goes down and wins. I, okay. I, just, I can't trust Baylor. But I don't know, man. Here, here's the thing every team in college football, it doesn't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter how bad you are. There's one game, normally at home, every single year, where each team plays above their heads. It's just their night. Things fall their way, no matter how bad you are. Well, I guess except for Kansas. But, like, seriously, each team has that just one redeeming game where everything comes together. And maybe that is – it's late in the season. Maybe that is this game for Baylor at home against Kansas State. Maybe it is. Yeah. I mean, they've look, they've played pretty well the last couple of weeks, right? I mean, they had the heartbreaker in Lubbock. And then the week before that, they nearly beat Iowa State in Ames. I mean, they got into the red zone down by seven in the final minute of that football game with a chance to tie against an Iowa State team that's currently first place in this conference. So uh, maybe they figured some things out. I mean, tough situation for them, right? Tough situation for everybody. But if you have a first year head coach and a fully new coaching staff, and a bunch of personnel turnover like Baylor had. I mean, the truncated offseason that we had due to COVID makes life extremely, extremely tough. So I don't think anyone's judging Dave Aranda just yet. But you figured, all right, if Baylor is going to start playing well this year, it's going to happen at the end of the season when they get some more practice reps under their belt and they can kind of figure out what they actually have uh, in terms of personnel. So 
maybe they've turned a corner. They're coming off of a bye week. Maybe this is the game, like you said, where they really uh, figure things out. And it feels like an upset, right? Because K State's four and four, and Baylor's just one and five. But the Bears are five and a half point favorites right now. So maybe we shouldn't be shocked if it is that game where things start to come together for them. Uh, We got about five minutes left for the entire week. So if you got some questions, uh, fire them away. Love to get them in. Texas and Iowa State coming your way on Black Friday. That means BK can't do any of his shopping at Best Buy or anything like that. He's got to do. Uh, <laughs> is anyone doing that this year? Like, is no, that I don't think so. I don't think so. COVID? I don't think so. I mean, the PS5, like in a normal year, considering how those things are selling, I feel like you'd have fights and riots and maybe murders with people trying to get one of those PS5s. But I, I feel like stores probably shouldn't be open Friday morning, no? I, I don't think that they're going. I mean, I think that they're going to be open, but it's going to be such limited capacity. It's going to be, I just, I don't think that the fight is going to be worth it for a whole lot of people. You know the what fight, I mean? The fights are going to take place in the parking lots instead of yeah. uh, in the actual stores. I mean, I saw Walmart's been doing, or they're doing like all online, or at least the majority of their sales are coming up online. I don't know. Were you ever a Black Friday guy? Were you one of those dudes? God, no, no. Dude. No, I'm like two days before Christmas guy. Oh man, I would. So my cousin, little side story here, a little sidebar here to kill some time. My cousin's just like a big tech guy. Like he's just big into that stuff. So every every black tech, but okay, I got no, you. no, 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 not one of those guys. He's a, he's a mean green. He's a UNT cat. But every every Thursday, we'd go out and buy the newspaper. It's the only newspaper I'd buy every year, right? Because we'd look at all the sales, all the specials that were happening on Black Friday, and we'd like come up with the game plan. And we would basically, like, after the Texas A&M game came to an end, we would go out to wherever we were going and just wait in line for hours. And I loved it. And I never bought anything, dude. My cousin would buy shit every year. He'd Mm. buy the new game console, the new speakers, the new camera, whatever, because he was into that stuff. And I would just go to people watch. I love people watching. And there's no better place to people watch than Black Friday at the mall or at the Best Buy or anything like that. So, I enjoy that shit, and I'm a, I'm a little disappointed that uh, that I won't have it this year. You, I need to get you up to Norman, and you need to people watching to know you football game at some point. That's, <laughs> that's good stuff right there. I, if you're probably, I mean, yeah, I usually get that every year at Texas OU, right? Just seeing uh, what yeah. half the crowd is is doing. It's uh, it's a sight to behold for sure. But yeah, I, I bet you're right. I bet uh, a game at Gaylord's probably pretty funny. Uh, Harrison's got a comment before we get out of here. Could you see Gundy on the hot seat? if they lose one of their last three games. Um, what is the Gundy hot seat? Like, what's it going to take for Gundy to be on the hot seat up there, Tyler? You, you got more of a beat on them than I do. Well, the only thing that could have happened is like something that happened like it did during the offseason, right? So there, it, it feels like it's like a five-step program. So there was like step one right there. It, it's hard to say losing in Bedlam could ever be something that could land him on the hot seat because he's 2-14. and 14. And he's never been on the hot seat. So clearly that doesn't matter to OSU fans. But the way that he lost this year and the fact that he was so conservative and basically quit on his team the way that he did, punting on fourth and eight, has riled up the OSU fan base like I haven't seen in a while. So hot seat, I don't I, I don't like I, I don't think hot seat is the right word, but there will be certainly some more like Okay, well, what are you going to do in 2021 to write this? Because we had a really good team, and you went 7-3 and three with it. Yeah, 
I'm looking at the Oklahoma State football Twitter account right now, right? Just looking at the reaction of that fan base because that's sometimes a good way to tell what the fans are feeling. And there's a lot of fire gundies in there, right? There are a lot of people who are just not happy with the way the program is going. And God, Oklahoma State, they're ready for basketball season. And think about that for a second. Oklahoma State can't even make the NCAA tournament in basketball this year due to that self-imposed ban. And yet there are already fans more excited about basketball season than they are for the remainder of football season, which by the way, the Pokes still have a chance to get to Arlington. I mean, they got to win out and they're going to need some help to get there, but like they're still a ranked team with a shot to win their conference this year. And the fan base is already turning the attention to basketball, a team that can't win for uh, can't win a championship this year. So I think uh, that kind of shows you where that fan base is. And I think uh, there are plenty of folks who are ready to move on. Uh, Harrison says, shout out BK's burner. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's the Twitter account, the the new Twitter account. I don't know how long it's going to last, man. I don't want to start over. I'm still working with Twitter to try to get my account unsuspended. When I say I'm working with Twitter, I mean, I'm sending a hundred emails a day and I'm not getting any response. So I'm doing the work. Twitter's just twiddling their thumbs over there in San Francisco. It's unbelievable. Hey, man, we'll uh, enjoy the Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoy Texas and Iowa State on Friday. I guess I'll talk to you in a week's time, man, but yeah. enjoy it. No, nah, you too, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Always enjoy doing the show with you. Um, this has been fun. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Appreciate all the love and support that we've gotten on this podcast throughout the season. Yeah. Harrison, Rich, Spartan, Barton, happy Thanksgiving to all you guys. Appreciate you joining us in the comments. We'll be back in one week's time, Monday, right here, 10 a.m. Central, on Twitch. We'll talk to you then. He's Brad Kellner. I'm Tyler McComas. We are in defense of the Big 12.